WBNE. Howdy, Yokes. Before we get started today, we just want to let you know that this episode of Bacon and Eggs is brought to you by our patrons. We want to build this thing to be as big as it can possibly be. We want to make more podcasts for you through the WBNE network. And we want to be able to support ourselves and our families through our passion and our creation. And we can't do it alone. If you enjoyed this episode of Bacon and Eggs and you want more, head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. Check out our new $10 tier, which gets you access to our bonus show with the hash browns, but it also gets you unedited episodes of Bacon and Eggs. You can hear all the behind the scenes moments that go into making an episode. Also, just so you're aware, we're starting a new series in the Hash Browns that I think you're going to be really, really interested in. So maybe check that out. We could really use your help to make this podcast the best it can possibly be. So thank you so much for donating, and thank you even more for listening. Howdy, yokes, and welcome back to Biggeneggs! I'm Tyler Carlin. I'm Ethan Hill, And today, we're going for an outing. Or maybe we're just jumping into some chalk drawings. So feed the boys. And go fly a kite. Because today, we're bringing you... Mary Poppins. You gotta, you gotta do the stats, bud. The music is playing. Okay, fine. Mary Poppins, directed no, 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 by no, no. Robert I, Stevenson. No, 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 no. I want to do this. I want to do. This. I don't want to. I want to do this. Hold on. I just want to tell you set. about Mary Poppins and how directed by Robert Stevenson it was. No, no, no. Mary Poppins was directed by Robert Stevenson. Hey, did you hear that August? Mary Poppins was directed by Robert Stevenson? I did. The son of Stephen himself, Bobby, son of Stephen. It came out August twenty seventh, nineteen sixty four, which was twenty thousand three hundred twenty six days ago. It is also three thousand eight hundred nine. 95 days prior to the previous oldest film on Bacon and Eggs, which is over 10 years. Uh, it had a $4 million budget and made $103 million worldwide, which is a lot in 1964. Maybe? I honestly don't know. We have no frame of reference here. Was that wildly successful? Probably. But I really don't know. We have never come close to this era. Got 100% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 86% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 88 on Metacritic. So we were talking about extremely, extremely, extremely high reviews. Ethan. Yeah, I actually don't have a negative review for this, because there isn't one on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Well, it's 100% fresh. Well, sometimes, if there's, like, enough reviews, oh, then I one negative actually won't check. boost it yeah. down. Uh, no. There's no Rotten. You could read what one of the, one of the users wrote. I could. Let's see. I, I was actually, I literally, as you were saying this, I was Google searching for Mary Poppins negative review. <laughs> you could see, read what P.L. Travers said about it. Yeah. <laughs> Frick this movie, man. Hated it. Walt Disney <laughs> is a hack. Julie Andrews is pretty good, though. Rachel Wagner, May 9th, 2019, says, I think it's arguably one of the best family films ever made. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I got it. Perfect negative review. Matthew M., random Rotten Tomatoes reviewer without a profile picture, on October 11th, 2019, said, One of the worst films I've ever seen. Bad acting, bad music, too long. Hey, me and Matthew M., Share at least one opinion. We about share this film. one opinion about Mary Poppins. <laughs> it is six years. It long. is the longest movie I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire yeah. life, and I accidentally watched the Titanic director's cut. The crazy thing about it is, I think the reason it feels so long is because it's paced is because so poorly. Nothing happens for the middle sixty percent. Nothing at all. There's like it's not a about anything no it is at the front you have a you have one whole act here which is combined from the front 20 minutes and the back 20 minutes wait a minute wait a minute on christmas day 
December 25th, 2019, Jason logged into uh, RottenTomatoes.com and he wrote half a star. Hot garbage. Just stupid. Oh, I did want to point out that uh, Matthew M, whatever his name was, Matthew M, he gave that a two at, or one and a half out of five. And it's one of the worst films he's ever seen. Uh, this is what I want you to know about Jason. He has a profile picture, but it doesn't show up when you go to his profile. He has reviewed, at least his top ratings are for Good Morning Vietnam, Dead Poet Society, Hook, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Bicentennial Man. He's a, he's a Williams guy. He's a Williams guy, yeah. Okay, but here's the interesting thing about Jason's profile. Good Morning Vietnam, four stars. I feel like that's pretty fair. Dead Poet Society, three and a half stars. I disagree. Hook, one and a half stars. Critics tend to agree with that, so uh, you might be on something there. Mrs. Doubtfire, one star. Bicentennial Man, three stars. So he's like reviewing all of these Williams movies, but he doesn't like them. Yeah, that dude is sitting there going, why does everybody like Robin Williams so much? Why why is everyone so into Robin Williams? Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, one and a half stars. Night at the Museum, Secret of the Tomb, one and a half stars. Goodwill Hunting, one and a half stars. Review, okay, hug. okay, listen. <laughs> his, what, is his, what is his name? Jason? Jason. <sighs> Jason, yeah. I don't normally, unless it's Richard Brody or Armin White, I normally try not to talk directly to the reviewers on this podcast. But Jason, if you want to talk, my Twitter name my Twitter handle is at W0WN0W, and my DMs are so open, buddy. Let's have a conversation. Goodwill Hunting one and a half stars. I'm not done. How it gets you so much better. It, how about how you thought that Goodwill Hunting was a one and a half star out of five? It gets so much better. I need to run down this list. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, three and a half stars. I, I applaud you there. 42, which you and I have talked about. Four and a half stars. There we go. Flight of the Navigator, four stars. Mary Poppins, half a star. Uh, Bridesmaids, four stars. Rise of Skywalker, two and a half stars. Who is this guy? Won't you be my neighbor? Half a star. What? I don't know, man. This dude has been mad for years, though. He's, he's like, so he's hated upset. every movie that's come out for the last four years. I love the ones where he has reviews. Uh, Bridesmaids, four stars. Actually, a pretty solid movie. I was pleasantly surprised. Uh... Let's see. Goodwill Hunting, one and a half stars. Ugh, didn't like this one at all. Uh, let's see. That's Monty what he said. Python I'm sorry. That's Grove. what he said about Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, he like wrote Ugh. Ugg didn't like this at all. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, our previous oldest film on bacon and eggs. Five stars. Classic British comedy. Must watch. One and a half stars for The Truman Show. Uh, two stars for Field of Dreams. What? Who are you? Who are you? Return of the King, two stars. Jurassic Park, two stars. What? Two Towers, one and a half stars. Ghostbusters, two stars. Jaws, two and a half stars. You've really struck a nerve here. Let's see if I can find a high-rated high one. Apocalypse Now, four and a half stars. Looper, four stars. Uh, I cannot... see. Okay, so, like... Rambo Last Blood, 2019, four and a half stars. <laughs> I can... <laughs> I, I, I can role-play an actor who loves Hamilton and worships Lin-Manuel Miranda as a god. I cannot put myself in the headspace of somebody who thinks that Apocalypse Now is four and a half stars, but hates Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> I cannot uh, understand that person. He really had a string here. He didn't like the Oceans films at all. 11, two stars, 12, two stars, 13, one star, eight, half a star. And then after he finished those, he watched Pacific Rim, didn't like that either, half a star. Okay, that's fine. Give Pacific Rim half a star, dude. Nobody can it is a, like, American-made kaiju movie. Hangover, five stars, all-time classic comedy. I'm, I'm really digging into this guy's uh, search history. Oh, he did not like Bring It On Again, 2004, half a star. 
huh, I don't understand this person. I don't. Like, a lot of times I can see where they're coming from. Like, I understand what type... I don't know what type of stuff this dude likes. Oh, listen to this review of Frozen. Four and a half stars. Olaf made the movie for me. Two star without him. I think this person is just young, right? He's young and he has to watch a lot of movies with his dad. That's gotta be what's going on here. Something like that. Any TV ratings? Uh, oh yeah, he's watching TV with his dad. Star Trek Season 1, five stars. Star Trek Season 2, five stars. Star Trek Season 3, four stars. Like, uh, like William Shatner Star Trek? Yeah, like 1966. There's not a single episode of that show that deserves five stars. <laughs> Like, I have a button that says manage account, but it's forbidden. This is the worst website known to man. Let's talk about Mary Poppins. Let's talk about Mary Poppins. Other than the fact that it's the longest movie ever made by about an hour. Yeah, there's a lot of unnecessary stuff. I don't know who Bert is. Is Bert Mary Poppins' lover? Is he just like this? He's is a that, kind of a mystery. Is that Dick Van Dyke? Is that who that's Yes, that's to be? Dick Van Dyke. Okay, see, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I know that people love this movie, and the last thing I want to do is take that away from them. Uh, I think it's solid. I think that it's happy and jolly and good but at the same time i do not get it at all and that might be the point right like that like when i rewatch this movie i'm like yeah i don't get it but it's just a bunch of silly sequences and that's the charm but at the moment after my first viewing i mean I'm that's what like, musicals are like or at least that's how they were like before 1986 okay but there's no like like the songs don't mean anything like there's no reason to sing the song about the chimney sweeps there's no reason to sing any song like in any musical you can't dig that hole no no there is like none of the songs advance the story in any way that's how most musicals are if you listen to if you listen to the the so like 99 percent of musicals are not like sung through right they're not hamilton or les mis or phantom they're just the songs are just there right like if you go watch book of mormon it actually makes sense they, they yeah, handle the songs stuff don't make sense in the dialogue yeah and it's just like that that's how musicals are if you just listen to it most of the time if you're not watching Andrew Lloyd Webber you're not gonna get it like the songs are just songs they're there no, but like in, in Book of Mormon, Elder Price makes his confrontation to the village leader in a song. Like there are songs that don't matter in Book of Mormon, like like turn it off, but No, they matter. The songs matter once you see the thing. I don't I don't agree with you that the songs don't matter here. I don't necessarily oh, know I that think... they are that the plot is advanced through them, but they, they are important to the movie. They're long, dude. They're so long. The songs? Yeah. I love the music in this. I don't watch a lot of film from this era, and I think there's a certain kind of glasses you gotta put on to watch films from this era that I don't have and that's that's on me right that's on me as like a film person yeah because I, mean, I know from watching this like as i watch this film i can see inspiration for so many moments and movies that i love and i know it's important for me to watch film history and like and and the, the greats quote unquote so i get it like that's on me and i should but i think recognizing that it's one of the greats and being able to watch it and appreciate that it's one of the greats and liking it are two separate things yeah i don't know that i would call this one of the greats though it's 100 percent critic rating on rotten tomatoes okay but that doesn't like i would not say that this is indicative of that mary poppins is indicative of great movies from the 60s okay that's a i fair would say that this but it is, is an outlier it is great films it is like great family films through history on some level you, you start with i think what, what would be the first one like wizard of oz and then this obviously comes into that conversation yeah i mean if you're talking about movie musicals for sure and that was most of what family friendly movies were back then this is this is a movie sort of out of time a little bit like this was made obviously we learned about why it was made way later than it was supposed to but this movie was made in its the way it was made sort of like 20 years too late for sure i will tell you like this was not only things- a period piece in setting but it was like a period piece in it was already antiquated right well like the bernadette or whatever is a suffragette winifred yeah winifred 
is that still relevant when this came out? Mm-mm, not even close. When you when had women, the, the year after this came out, they like signed civil rights into act. Like I think Dr. King was already dead or about to be dead. Okay. Like no, women had the right to vote. This is this this takes place in like the first world war. This is 1910, right? They say 1910. Do they? I don't know. I think they do. So before the first world war. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll, I think, I'll tell you one thing. I think that scene is brilliant, where the wife comes home and is singing her like "Well done, sister suffragette" song about like you know everything that that she and her friends do toward advancing the women's vote, and then literally after that she's like, "Oh, but I, you can't tell my husband. You know he doesn't like the cause." Right. I thought that was funny. And then immediately after that, he comes home and sings this incredibly awful but catchy song about, like, when a man is a lord of his kingdom. And it's just a great introduction to these two characters where, like, obviously they both love and care about their children, but one needs to be taught a lesson. I don't feel like we get enough Winifred in the movie. It's not about her. I know. It's about Mr. Banks, despite the fact that we get a lot of time with the kids. What's about the kids? You there? If you're talking, I can't hear you. What'd you say? I think we broke up there for a second. Yeah, no, it's about the kids. It's about the kids having to teach George Banks a lesson. Yes, it's about the two kids teaching George Banks a lesson. Is that what you just said? It is what I just said. I can't, we gotta figure out what's going on with this. Yeah, I don't know. No idea. I, mean, I can just call you. I mean, yeah, that's not ideal, though. No, I know. I gotta figure out if there's something wrong with my computer or your computer or my internet or your internet or I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, George Banks needs to be taught a lesson, as does everybody he works for. Yes, and I kept thinking that the people he worked for were gonna, like, get it, and I guess they do at the they end. They do get it. Yeah, but I, I really thought that- Literally, the guy that runs the bank- knowing- the guy that runs the bank laughs for the first time of his life and dies. <laughs> this movie really hinges on you knowing what a tuppence is. Yes, it's, it's two, two pence. pence. Who'd, who'd, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? I, you, you would think that they would have either A, just like changed that word, or like B, not written songs around it. Right. You would avoid that word. <laughs> but here we are. Tuppence. Tuppence. Here we tuppence, are. Tuppence. Yes. Yeah. That being said, I like... Richard and so Robert I, I, Sherman thought it was necessary to write Feed the Birds Tuppence a Bag. Yeah, but that makes it sound like you're feeding the birds an item called Tuppence, and I don't know what that item is. I disagree. It's how much the, the, the bag costs, the bag of feed. That did not derail me at a young age. I didn't watch this at a young age. <laughs> okay, well, it didn't derail me at an older Twitter, age either. I told people on Twitter that I hadn't watched this, and they were like, how dare you? I gotta stop telling people on Twitter I haven't seen things. Especially Disney things. I know. You hadn't seen Ratatouille. You hadn't seen this. I saw Ratatouille this this week. That was so good. I liked Ratatouille a lot better than I liked this. Oh, I'll take this over Ratatouille any day. Uh Uh-uh. Ratatouille was way better. Nah. Ratatouille is my bottom tier of Pixar movies. Especially like original story Pixar movies. I really like Inside Out. I really like... I Truthfully... I, I read a tweet this week that was about, and I responded to the tweet that was about, like, movies are about what they mean to you. So, like, I feel like Mary Poppins checks a lot of boxes except for the box of, like, really connecting with me emotionally. That being said, like, at the scene where Bert is having the conversation with them on the stairs, I think I certainly got emotional. I thought that that was a powerful scene. But it was one moment in an otherwise very long film that, because of its age, I just had a hard time, like, even following. It's like when you, it's like when you go to your first opera in a different language and you're like, I think I know what's going on. Is this like but the like first properly really... old movie you've ever watched? No, I've seen Wizard of Oz. Okay. But I have the same problem with Wizard of Oz. Really? Not as much. I think Wizard of Oz is better than this. Oh, I prefer this to Wizard of Oz. I wouldn't choose to put like, either one on. I like the music way better. I think there's a solid chance that if we get around to doing Mary Poppins Returns, and I'm not speaking that into existence like I did this. Uh, we're not doing it next week. I know we're not. I know. I'm, like, I'm not putting do... it on the list. I know. We're doing something Netflix next week. Uh, but if, it, if, if we end up doing Mary Poppins Returns, I have a strong prediction that I will prefer that to this. I have a strong feeling that 
I will not. Well, yeah, you like everything that is old. That's not true. What is what 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 the closest movie to a perfect ten for you has got to be made in like 1975. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Not no. Jaws. No. You like Jaws oh, more Jaws. than I do, dog. You're like, dude, I love Jaws, Jaws. Is a you thing more than me. See, that's the thing. That's a that's an older film that I really jive with. I love Jaws. I could probably, so I'd have to look up some year, some like, when was this movie made kind of thing. But like, I could probably give in uh, like an hour, I could probably name 25 to 40 movies made between 1961 and 1969 that I like better than this. Yeah, I, I don't think I could name one. And that's what I'm saying is like, you hear about this in comics all the time is if you pick up comic books and you're like, oh, I want to start with the originals. You know, I want to go back to that, that era. Your brain, like the way they were written, it just doesn't make any sense to the way that we consume media now. They're like it's, if you, they're pretty easy to follow very early on. But if you pick up like 80s comics, yeah, they're, it's like reading a different language. You have to like learn how to read it and I think it's the same problem with me in this film is that I don't think it is I, I think it's a certain type of ageless and, and timeless but I, I also think that there is like the more you know about the era and the more you've experienced the era and this can be your introduction the more you will appreciate this that's all I'm trying to say so like this was made and this is what I'm trying to say is like this is a kind of a weird movie to like judge the entire 60s against hey let me let me look something up real quick okay so this was made and released nine years before the Jesus Christ Superstar movie musical I've seen that. That you and I have seen with Ted mm -hmm. Neely and Carl Lewis. Mm -hmm. And this is made like, when did, uh, hang on. Okay. Wizard of Oz was 39. 60s movie I've seen from the same, uh, from the same studio would be, uh, Jungle Book and 101 Dalmatians. I prefer this to either of those. I would prefer Jungle Book. But that's, that's a me thing because Jungle Book has a lot of elements of jazz that were really important to me at least at one point in my life that then made me fall in love with Jungle Book that now I have like, a, like a weird sort of nostalgia towards, but not nostalgia in the sense that like I watched Jungle Book when I was a kid. I didn't care for it when I was a kid, but like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah, I'm struggling to do math. Brain. Disney made so many freaking movies in the in, in the 60s. Hang on. So yeah, this was made 25 years after The Wizard of Oz and nine years before uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. But uh, this shares so much more of a, a space in every direction with The Wizard of Oz than it does with Jesus Christ Superstar. I would agree with that. Yeah. And not that I think that Jesus Christ Superstar is in any way indicative of movies that were made in the 60s. It is the most 70s movie ever made in the 70s ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is about Jesus hating Vietnam. Like... <laughs> It could not, like, they they get stopped by tanks at one point in the middle of the desert. That's true. Like, that, that is not a 60s movie. But this is, like, this is very much, you know, Walt Disney saw The Wizard of Oz and was like, all right, I gotta do that. And then chase the story for 20 years. So if it's to be believed that his daughters read the books and told him to turn it into a movie, they probably read him in, like, 1942. Yeah. And we're like, Dad, make this movie. And he was like, all right, shouldn't be a problem. I'm Walt Disney. And it was a problem. And in the, and in the 40s... Disney was just getting started in the 40s because, you know, the first one, Snow White and the Seven Doors, was 37, and then the next one was Pinocchio in 40, uh, and then Fantasia, Dumbo, Bambi, uh, those are the only ones that anybody Yeah, I'm certain they were going to try to make this, and, and we know that they were going to try to make this as a fully animated movie. I don't... I don't know that that was a bad idea. I like. I can't imagine it being animated. Really? Yeah. I like. I the, think Julie Andrews is great. I, I don't like think the, any uh, of the other characters need to be live. No, action. but I like the 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 the. I don't know. For some reason, the 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 juxtaposition they did between the animation and the and the real life in this movie is something that sets it aside to me. I think that is why it's become a classic. I do think it hits. It really hits because I feel like a lot of times, uh, even like, have you ever day, seen? Have you seen Snow White or the original Pinocchio? No, uh -uh. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'm familiar with them, but like, I don't think I've ever but sat like, down yeah, and like, they're, watched they're them. They're timeless classics or whatever, and they made the special Oscar for Walt Disney that had the little seven statues next to it, which I think is a lie, but I'm not sure. I haven't fact-checked that one. I've seen pictures that may or may not be real. I don't know. But it's And it's a timeless classic or whatever, but like, is it? 
It seems that one seems know. like it's a it's a classic in like name alone. Whereas this is something that sets it apart from the rest of those. Well, Snow White has the same thing. And Snow White was the first fully animated film. This was not the first, not even close to the first Disney half and half. No. But they it do is in those the 50s. Scenes, it is those scenes that people remember from this movie. So this is interesting. Mary Poppins is the only film that Disney made in the 60s that was half. Everything else, with the exceptions of 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, and The Jungle Book, was live action entirely. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that most movies ever made are mostly one or the other. Like, that are, are, are sorry, that are entirely one or the other. But that's not, they didn't make any in the 50s, but in the 40s, there was The Reluctant Dragon, Saludos Amigos, Three Cabal. Song of the South, Melody Time, and So Dear to My Heart, which were all half and half. Yeah. And none of them live action entirely. Disney's first fully live action movie was Treasure Island in wouldn't, 1950. Wouldn't point to Song of the South and be like, this is a great example of movie history. <laughs> it's the movie you're not allowed to watch anymore. Oh, is it? Yeah. It has been like, well, it's been put in the Disney vault. But like for like under penalty of law or whatever. Huh. I've I've never heard of this, but it sounds very real because Song of the oh, South sounds like a really it's racist. Extremely thing. racist. Uh according to the Wikipedia page here, since its original release, Song of the South has remained a subject of controversy. Some critics have described the film's portrayal of African Americans as racist and offensive, maintaining that the black vernacular and other qualities and stereotypes uh that's not a sentence. In addition, the plantation setting is sometimes criticized as idyllic and glorified. Because of this controversy, Disney has not released Song of the South. South on any home video format in the United States. Some of the musical and animated sequences have been released through other means, and the full film has seen home video distribution in other countries. The cartoon characters from the film have continued to appear in a variety of books, comics, and other media. The Disney theme park ride, Splash Mountain, is based on the film. Yeah, it's where that Zippity Doodah song came from. Really? Yeah. Who'd have thought? Me. Well, I guess I, that, yeah, yeah, these are these are Ethan facts Zip that have been locked away in my brain since I was a child. Because while my while my dad did not care about Disney movies, what he did like to watch were the Disney like the Disney nature documentaries. Yeah. And mm -hmm. in between those, they would always not in between those, but like when you got those or whatever, when you watched them or they were on a channel, you, they would also play some like coming to you live from the great world of Disney. There was like a TV show. Not the wide, wide world of sports, but like a different one where they just like went inside the like inside Disneyland and inside Disney and like told you a bunch of stuff about Disney. So like yeah. I was I was exposed when I was young to the like the old, old sing along videos and had all those songs on there. Songs from this movie, songs from Song of the South, songs from Were you Melody watching Time The Reluctant Dragon? No. Oh, that's a fictional tour of around the Disney studio. Came out nineteen forty one. Maybe I have. I don't know. Don't know what they're called. I know there was one about a bear. That's all I remember. No, we've talked about the bear. I think we found the bear video. We did. 100%. But yeah, if TCM got bored, they would just play like three hours of just like Disney content. Just like we're going to show a short film and this thing. And like some of those movies that you mentioned, I think are like 45 minutes long. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Since Mary Poppins, this is this is interesting information right here, Ethan. In the 70s, there were two half and half films, uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which I think is also a brand new album, uh, and Pete's Dragon. I've seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And Pete's Dragon, I imagine. I have not seen Pete's Dragon. Or the remake. Uh, and then in the 80s, Tron. I did not uh, know 90s, Tron was a Disney property. I have seen yeah. Tron. Uh, James and the Giant Peach in 96. I've seen that. 2000s, Fantasia 2000, and uh, Enchanted. Fantasia 2000. And G-Force. Oh, I bet there's a lot more G-Force is like CGI. Yeah, like... Yeah, if that's what they're calling it, then yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I was going to say, I was like, G-Force is animated hamsters, like, or guinea pigs. G-Force, duh. Guinea pigs. But yeah, uh, that's Sam not, Rockwell. I would not well call that. that film, apparently. That is, that, that is not, I would not call them, they're not like animated guinea well, pigs. Well, like, okay, but like, 
Uh, it's giving Pirates of the Caribbean all live action, which I think is interesting. Mary Poppins returns half and half, and that is the last one. That is all of them. G-Force. Maybe I'm misremembering G-Force, but I don't know. It's, no, I think you're right. It's hamsters. I, I, I mean, mean they're, they're guinea pigs. They're, they're definitely guinea pigs. I just want to, before anybody tweets at me and tells me they're not hamsters, <laughs> they're guinea pigs. It's called G-Force. Before anybody TMs me that, I'm pretty freaking sure that they are guinea pigs. The the catch, the uh, the tag is Gadgets, Gizmos, Guinea Pigs in but like, 3D. Like, that, that's not half and half animation like Space Jam or no. Who Frame Roger Rabbit those are like that is cartoons existing in that's what Disney did with like that was they, they did it with the mouse the dance of Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly or one of them I don't remember which one this is just how I know I just and Wikipedia that is wild to me. classifies yeah, I know it. I'm just that's wild to me that they consider Listen to this live action cast. Maybe we should visit G-Force. Zach Galifianakis. So the voice cast is Sam Rockwell, Tracy Morgan, uh, Penelope Cruz, John Favreau, Nick Cage, Steve Buscemi, and D. Bradley Baker. I don't know who that is, uh, but I knew all the others. And then the live action cast is Zach Galifianakis, Bill Nye, Will Arnett. Uh, there are a bunch of other people that I've never heard of. Maybe we should watch G-Force. I don't know. I've <laughs> never seen it. 100% <laughs> never seen it. So you you tagged me in it. Just I want to talk about Sam Rockwell for a minute, okay? Want to talk okay. about Sam Rockwell for a minute? You tagged me in a tweet. Either was it today or yesterday? That was like Ethan seen or a Facebook post or something. It was like Ethan seen three billboards and loved it. Yeah, that was on Facebook. Yeah. Just if you're a Sam Rockwell fan, which I know you are, you're Sam Rockwell fan, you have to watch three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri and Jojo Rabbit just for the Sam Rockwell content. Did I tell you I watched a uh, Sam Rockwell film this week? Which one? Oh, oh man. Oh man. Was it Matchstick Men? <laughs> no, I love Matchstick Men. I don't know if that actually got good reviews. I've always loved Matchstick Men. Probably because when I saw it, I liked it. Uh, let's see. You have what was not it seen called? it since it was in theaters. No chance. Or... I've seen it since it was in theaters. Maybe a yeah. little bit after theaters. I don't know. Uh, 2015, Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick. And a love love uh, comedy oh, Mr. called Wright. Mr. Right. Yeah, Man, I see that on Netflix that was, all the time. I have not seen it. It was, it was not good. I believe it. It was bad. Man, you're watching the wrong... Sam Rockwell movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was not good. It, I mean, it was... Uh, Sam, Rockwell, Sam Rockwell, truly a treasure. You, you, you look at it, you look at this, and he's like, Sam Rockwell is an American actor known for just... There's there's some absolute beautiful movies here and some garbage in here. Known for Lawn Dogs, which I don't know what it is, but does not sound good. Matchstick Men, Hitchhiker's Guide, Moon, Seven Psychopaths, Mr. Right, and Richard Jewell. And for supporting roles in The Green Mile, Galaxy Quest, Frost Nixon, Iron Man 2, Conviction... And the way back. One Academy Award for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I can't believe he only got one Academy Award. He's such a good actor. You have to watch three billboards, man. Like it is it's a tough one for sure. It is not exactly your kind of movie, but that is some golden Sam Rockwell content. And Sam Rockwell's portrayal of the uh the crazy, like cross dressing Nazi in Jojo Rabbit is one of my favorite things that's ever happened. I'm certain I will like Jojo Rabbit. Oh no, you definitely will. But that is some Yeah. That is some absolute Sam Rockwell just gold. Sam Rockwell, however, is, has nothing to do with Mary Poppins ever. He was not in the sequel, as far as I know. He would have made a great Walt Disney. Would he? <laughs> <laughs> if he was like, Mrs. Uh, what does he call her? Pamela. Pamela. <laughs> Pamela. You know, Founded he would have. Sam Rockwell. I think he would have been, no matter what. I would have believed him as Walt Disney more. I don't think so. Because I would have been like, never, that's Sam there's Rockwell. Ne that, but see, that's not it for me. Every time I watch Sam Rockwell in a movie, I'm like, that I'm bought into this character. But where do you land on Justin Hammer? Love him. I would take Justin Hammer back in, in phase four. Yeah, oh, yeah. same. I would I would love to give Guy Pierce a redemption. I would put Guy Pierce in every movie. But Ooh, when are we going to do another Guy Pierce movie? Have we ever done a Guy Pierce movie on this show? Oh, yes, we Iron have. Man 3. Iron Man 3. Are there other Guy Pierce movies that we have not done? We have not done Memento. I don't think we're ready for Memento.
Thank you. There, I don't think we're ready for Memento. There's a new Nolan movie coming out at some point, eventually. I'm sure it's been delayed inevitably, but I, it called Tenet. Tenet, 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 T-E-N-E-T, with uh, John David Washington, Denzel Washington's son, that I'm very excited about. Ooh. Which, uh, he's the lead in Black Klansman, which you also need to watch at some point. I've seen Black Klansman. You think I you haven't have? seen Black Klansman? You have? Yeah. You've never said a word about it. I believe I told you to watch Black Klansman. No, you didn't. When we cut, when, Last certain... time we talked about Black Klansman, which was, I believe, when it like was in the Oscar thing, you were like, oh, I haven't seen it. I really want to see it. And neither did I. I watched it. It was very good. Yeah. But he's the lead. He is Denzel Washington's son, and he is the lead in the new Nolanverse movie, when it ever should come out. In the Heights, uh, delayed for a full year at Stings. Don't remind me. A full year. <clears throat> uh, so tell me, tell me about Mary Poppins. When were you introduced to this film? God, it predated my consciousness so you've always been familiar with uh, yeah and i swear to god my parents must have shown me this in pieces or skipped parts there's no way that i sat through two and a half hours of this movie when i was five there's no way there's also like there's part with george banks towards the end is his first name george why do i think yeah, it's george? george walks in this was like a film class scene that i cannot believe i'd never seen this before he walks into like the bank to get fired and there's a yeah. shot of the like the, the partners basically sitting around the table and that's the only lit part of the shot yeah i cannot believe i've never seen that shot before in my life really really that i've never seen it or really that i can't believe that it's it? you think it's like that incredible oh i think it's amazing really oh fair oh yeah that is that is a, if you google like mise-en-scene you will see scenes just like that from all sorts yeah of you'll see the one from the godfather yes which i think when they made the godfather they were like that's the scene from mary poppins but better uh, like you never see Vito Corleone from with like both sides of his face lit in the movie. I don't know who that is. He's the Godfather. No, that, no, that's what I'm saying. That's like that's the, his thing is that he's like he's never fully lit. Oh, 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 okay. I wasn't saying that you've never seen him. I'm saying you, the royal you, never if you watch you the Godfather, stay. never see Vito Corleone fully lit. I mean, I wonder how Justin, what's his name, Jason? Jason. I, think I wonder how Jason. Jason feels about the Godfather. I, it's going to be a challenge to find Jason again on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I don't want you to find him again. I'm just curious. Hold on. I'm sure I can. Julie Andrews. That's a Julie pretty, Andrews pretty is a treasure. Woman. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Quintessential, yeah, I, like just a classic looking face. That's a beautiful, beautiful woman. But yeah, you, so I, you get the. So Bert is a mystery, right? Bert is. He's not magical. Like he doesn't. He is not of the same stock of Mary Poppins, right? But they right. go way back. They go. How old do you think Mary Poppins is? As old as her tongue and a little bit older than her teeth. I don't know. <laughs> what? Uh, that's how old Santa Claus says he is in Miracle on 34th Street. Oh. That's what it says on his birthday, on his driver's license or whatever, is his ID card next to Chris W. Kringle or whatever. Gotcha. Age, as old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. Practically perfect in every way. Just as I suspected. But yeah, so Bert's not magical. Like, you get, you get the feeling, though, that, that Mary Poppins has been nannying for kids since the that, since they were kids. Yes. You get the idea that she's been nannying forever. You also get the idea that... So, like, have you seen the thing where uh, people are like, oh, obviously Mary Poppins went to Hogwarts. I think, obviously, much more clearly, J.K. Rowling was inspired by Mary Poppins. Yeah, J.K. Right? Rowling was inspired, inspired by Mary Poppins, 100%. Yeah. That, that just, like, adds up. She is everything Hermione Granger wishes she could be. Yes. Right down to how they directed Emma Watson in The Sorcerer's Stone. 
Do you want to know what Jason thought of The Godfather? I would love to know what Jason would thought of Francis Ford Coppola, the director of Apocalypse Now's better movie. Yeah, I would love to know. Five stars. Yeah. Okay, of course. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, this should get Jason, one thing right. Two stars for E.T., though. Yeah, because why, why, from... why would Jason like Steven Spielberg when he could <laughs> just as easily like Francis Ford Coppola, Nicolas Cage's uncle? He also did not like Mad Max Fury Road. One star. I'm sorry we're back here. Liking Mad Max Fury there's... Road is a... Or not liking Mad Max Fury Road is a bad take. Because it's good. I'm yeah. sorry. It's just... It is like... I'm not, I'm not into the like, let's give a movie an achievement award or whatever, but like, it is an impressive movie. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I, I just need to find one other... Uh, but yeah, bad take. Bad take. One other bad take here. Oh, he loved Rogue One. Oh, he loved Transformers 2007. Maybe we should call this guy. What did I just see that Tom Hardy was going to be doing that I'm really excited about? Something. Oh, Tom, he's got something coming, yeah. Something, something big. big. You ever seen Bronson? Uh-uh. You'd like Bronson. Yeah? Wild movie, man. Oh, Mad Max Wasteland announced Capone. That's it. Yep. Yeah, he's going to be yep. Capone. Yep. Now he's playing Al Capone in Capone. Yeah. We yep. don't deserve, yep. Yep. I, with the exception of Venom, we don't deserve Tom Hardy. No, Tom Hardy's a very good actor. Uh, Let's see. Sam Rockwell films this guy's scene. Cowboys and Aliens, 2011 not a fan yeah cowboys and aliens was garbage <laughs> but like i that is a movie that i never want to touch with a hundred thousand foot pole because my memory well my memory of seeing cowboys and aliens was very good oh he gave winter soldier two stars you and i saw cowboys and aliens together on like a whim yeah and i haven't seen it since then i forget it exists until somebody brings it to mind i couldn't tell you what it's about i couldn't either you don't even remember seeing the watch i yeah i have no idea what that is it's <laughs> so wild to me you remember delivery man no where like i think that was delivery man where vince vaughn has like a hundred kids oh no i don't remember this at all no that was another one that you me and hunter saw together at the regal in yorktown anyway mary poppins yeah I, so there was a time in my life where i could have sung every song from this movie like cold just like off head really when you were watching it were you singing along occasionally there's play i haven't i again i haven't watched this since i was like 12 probably so there's a lot of them that i have forgotten i was i mean i gave it a little chim 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 i will tell you that melody that I forgot existed get stuck in my head from this movie all the time that like I haven't thought about but I'll just be sitting there and singing like songs from this movie in my head just random little melodies without words to them that are from this movie that I didn't realize are from this movie until last week and this week oh right because the other movie had all the songs in. yeah yeah and they had uh mm. they had uh what's his name Colin Farrell the dad saying the part that Bert says about winds in the east. I thought that part was very good. Yeah, I like Bert as the, like, Deadpool character. Yeah, Bert's all over the place. Did you like this better or worse than... I guess you're gonna say, obviously, you like this better than Saving Mr. Banks. I don't know that I did. Oh, this is... I like this much better than Saving Mr. Banks. I think the more that I watch it through the rest of my life, the more I will enjoy it. Saving Mr. Banks or this? This. I don't think I'll ever watch Saving Mr. Mr. Banks again on purpose. I don't know, man. This is just one of those things where, like, I don't really... I, I like... I don't feel the need... And maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Where I don't feel the need to, like defend why I like it I guess like, I don't, feel I, I, don't I don't want you, I, I don't want to convince you if you don't like it I don't care tell you the truth but I also I will admit that like it doesn't hold up as well as I wanted it to in from like a movie standpoint like there's a lot of stuff in there that doesn't matter and it does a bad job of stringing the whole thing together I just think it's poorly paced I do like I, I want to be very clear I I like this film and I very much respect it and I very much respect how much people like this film I, I want to be clear about yeah, that. Yeah, the, the, and the pacing is is garbage for sure, absolutely trash heap. But like, this is the, this is the longest two and a half hours of my life. So, do you remember the scene in um, Hail Caesar? Ooh, you know the whole that's thing a that well paced that, film. The whole thing that no, it's not. It doesn't even end. <laughs> it doesn't make yeah, any but, sense. There's no story. 
But when it's over, you stand up and you're like, man, that was a quick 90 minutes. You just watch like different vignettes of Eddie Mannix and Baird Whitlock's life. How many times have you seen Hell Caesar? Uh, three or four. I'd be willing to put it on the list this week. Hell Caesar? But anyway. Is it um, streaming anywhere? No, I mean, that's going to be a movie that we have to be like, we're covering Hail Caesar. Deal with it, audience. <laughs> you don't get a choice. That's never going to win a vote. <laughs> this is the same thing I keep telling me about the social network. I'm like, I would, I love to cover it. I love that movie. I've seen it like 12 times. It's never going to win. <laughs> well, next week, it's going to be up against another Netflix film. A Netflix film that it may very well beat. I haven't decided what the other one is. Yeah. Um... But like, so the movie that uh, they have Scarlett Johansson making, where she play wears the mermaid tail, and like, it's all like water based, and just it. There are so many movie musicals that I've seen that are like that, just big like stage production musicals that are absolute nonsense. They don't. There's nothing that happens in them. So like, that's what this is. No, it's not though. <laughs> So, like, for me, is I guess I have a metric for which to compare this to of, like, movie musicals that actually don't make sense. Like, this this doesn't have to be Hamilton, but it also isn't that. This has some story to it, right? The, the kids It has learn... a story. It just has a lot of garbage that doesn't matter to the story. Right. But the, let, let, let's, let's break down the story, right? You've got these kids who are apparently bad kids, but it's because nobody listens to them. And they need somebody who will engage them in play that makes sense to them. Right. They act out because their, their mom is busy trying to garner votes for women, and their dad is busy making all the money and and you know being a bank manager and they're just like we just want parents but we learn more and more about the dad that he's like not a bank manager right that they live this quasi lavish life but he's he's pretty low on the totem pole so they're not they were supposed to be wealthy. they were supposed to be poor yeah right they're not as wealthy as you as you think they are and P.L. Travers wasn't either right she lived on this big house this great estate but she was so in the book poor. and and I figured this I don't know if I said this last week in the book like the first passage is all this like mystical like if you want to find number seven cherry tree lane number 17 cherry tree lane you have to turn left at the star and until morning and all this like peter pan type stuff right. and then she talks about how you want to look for the shabbiest house on the block right so like the, oh. the story that they're pulling from she they're not rich but like right they are they live in this big estate next to the most random character in the whole world the like mr boom the navy captain that lets off cannons from his roof i don't like mr boom in the slightest i wanted to live in that house so badly when i was a child <laughs> <laughs> I wanted no, to live in the house with the cannon on the roof. With the with the ship? With the ship, yeah. I wanted to live in the ship house. Go Bucks. Which I feel like it would have been miserable. That dude sounds like a deranged jerk. <laughs> he but shoots I wanted fireworks to live, at the chimney sweeps. I wanted to live in that house so badly when I was a kid. Feign nostalgia a little bit more, Ethan. Really give it to me. I'm not feigning it. Is feign the wrong word? I want to feel the nostalgia. Feign means fake. Oh, don't fake it. Yeah, no, I wanted to live in that Fawn. house so, so badly when I was a kid, but that character is completely pointless. <laughs> All it is is a setup for a scene in which Mary Poppins puts the house back together. Yes. Just just showing off her magic. Her magic that she has. So again, her, she and Bert, I think, are like old lovers. See, I didn't want that Lost to be the to case. Lost to time, maybe? Not like a breakup, but just like the winds carried her somewhere else. And Bert was like, well then, West Wind came in. So my woman. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. I think that something's happened. It's happened before. You get this great magical setup with like a, like a lilting but jolly like minor key melody. The, the chim chimney melody, melody is great because it's happy in a minor key. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim tree. I did like it. But like the fact that they got into the chalk drawing like 30 minutes in, I was like, this is the this is the end of the movie. Like, <laughs> this is how it it's ends. Not. It's not. They have to go to some random person's house and learn to make him laugh. I have to learn to make him not laugh. Yeah, not laugh. Sorry. Just like a side quest. 
Also, that's not some random person. That's John Vitello's dad. Yeah, facts. Yeah, that's all that is. Uh, yeah, there's that. There's anyway. So we were going over the story, the actual story, which is that the, yeah, you have these two bad kids, and they wish for a magical nanny. Like they they well, they don't wish for a magical nanny. They write a job posting, and the dad is like, "Well, this isn't what I want for a nanny." Tears it up. These insolent children. <clears throat> but through magic, the cold goes to us. The go. This shares a lot of space with. Pirates of the Caribbean in ways that I didn't think it did until I was watching it today. And so I was like, I there's many that. beats that remind me of Pirates. The go? Just sort of like the whole, the whole mysticism around Pirates feels similar. Like it has a similar mouthfeel to the mysticism in this movie. Ah. Uh, where it's all about there's like. More, there's more overt magic here. Like I know the Pirates turn into skeletons, so that's just pretty overt. But like, she can like cast spells. Yeah. You can't do that in Pirates. No, but who knows? Maybe they well, can. I mean, I guess they can later on, right? They summon Calypso. Yeah, that's and she turns like into like a, a giant crab monster. Monster. Yeah, we should do the rest of the pirates movies. It's just I don't like, know if you thought it, about that. It's a different. That sounds great. It's a different mythos, but it has like I don't know, similar vibe and like the way they use. Obviously, pirates isn't a musical, but the way they use like the incidental music in this movie reminds me of pirates, like the first one. I love that movie. I do too. You know, this yeah. So we we have kids and they they wish for a magical nanny and she comes to them because she's needed and it's where the wind blows her and then she takes yes. them to meet her old boyfriend and I don't think that there's a romantic relationship between the absolutely two absolutely I, I see I, I got the vibe that there was this like great 60s era forward thinking platonic relationship between a man and a woman uh there was no forward thinking from Disney in the 60s <laughs> Absolutely none. None none whatsoever. Who is Bert supposed to be in P.L. Travers' life? That's what I can't figure out. He's the narrator. In Saving Mr. Banks, who fills the role of Bert? I don't think there is one. That feels like such a missing piece to that story. Because to me, Bert is almost more important than Mary Poppins. I think she's Bert. Mary Poppins is Bert? No, P.L. Travers. Um... It's her story. She's just writing it. Yeah, anyway, um... Yeah, Bert's the narrator, so it's Bert's story. You think it's about Bert? No, it's not about Bert. Bert is telling us the story. You know what I thought when I was watching it? Bert's I thought, the Greek chorus. Can I tell you? Yeah. So I didn't I didn't know the story. Uh, I watched the first two hours last night, and then I fell asleep while it was on my TV in my bedroom. And I had the most delightful dreams imagining how this story ends. <laughs> the most delightful dreams imagining how this story ends. Um, and they were all like, I, I missed the mark. I got the basic idea that he's Wait, gonna get fired you then... didn't know the ending from the last movie we watched about this i knew that he'd fix the kite but i didn't know how he's gonna arrive to that point oh yeah he got fired like her dad got fired yeah i i figured as much i didn't realize in uh saving mr banks that when that happened that was like the climactic moment of her life and i think that was something i was missing because i hadn't seen the original uh because the climactic moment in saving mr banks is when he sings the song at the end of the movie yeah uh but i didn't I didn't, I didn't put that together. Anyway, I thought... I didn't see up to the point where Bert and Mr. Banks speak to each other. I thought it was going to be revealed that Bert and Mr. Banks were the same person. Yeah, I could see that. And that, like, this whole thing of, like, thinking that their dad was this curmudgeon about everything. He was actually this, like, really fantastical personality. And he uh, is, though, is the thing. Is he is. That, that is the thing. And maybe that is the... Maybe that's, like, what I'm missing is that, like, Bert is every bit of Mr. Banks' personality that he doesn't get to show or that he doesn't feel like he maybe can show. Maybe that's true. I've never thought about it like that. That that could very well be a thing. I mean, and and I think Bert it, disappears. It, it is what you make it. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the, the sort of tragic ending for Mary Poppins where she leaves without a goodbye. Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting touch here. 
Well, yeah. We, th that's when you start to beg the question of was she ever there? I think she was there. Right, but like, was she? Because the kids, I guess up until the sequel, the kids, you get the feeling they don't notice her being gone. Well, the sequel is not the same children. It's like the grandchildren. No, it is the same children. Really? They are the adults now. Yeah, so they don't need Mary Poppins. Right. Is Bert real? Bert being fake or not real? Bert is not in the sequel, as far as I know. Is that not who... Lynn plays Lynn Jack, plays? who I believe is the Burt character. This is what I'm saying, is, is Burt is... Yeah, no, I think Burt would have been either deceased or moved on at this point. Yeah, I guess like so. the kids don't need Mary Poppins, London doesn't need Burt. I always forget that it's in London. As I'm watching the film, even though they have all these like painted images of London, I keep thinking it's the States, but then they have moments where it's like, what happened in 1773? <laughs> I just I don't... Like, they speak in British accents. I know, yeah, I just... I don't even hear it. The Cockney accent doesn't sound like British to me. It sounds like... Burt's the only one that has that accent. I know, it's so bad, too. Yeah. Oh, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Oh. I do love the scene with the penguins. It's a lot. The dancing goes on for so long. Yeah, that's how movie musicals were back then. Don't man, ever watch, like, forever. don't ever watch a Gene Kelly movie, man. You'll hate that. You'll hate it. It's, is, all, it's it, all dancing. Who, now, this is the same movie as Sound of Music, right? It's like the exact same film. No. Not even close. Sound of music about Nazis? And nuns, right? Yes. Okay, well, so from the perspective of, like, a nanny shows up and I think, I don't know, I haven't seen the sound of music in so long. Who does Julie, Julie Andrews? She's the nun, right? Yeah. Basically, what I'm asking is Julie Andrews is the same person. Basically, yeah. It's a jolly old day with Mary, Mary. Can you imagine being Lin-Manuel Miranda being like, yeah, I'll play a part in this movie musical. No, 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 it's cool. I don't have to write the music. No, it's fine. So, no, yeah, so Julie Andrews is the star stepmother not the nanny but yeah it's the same character and she's not magical she just teaches them music I, I to be honest with you i don't know that i've seen sound of music uh cover to cover i mean i would be surprised if you had i've seen parts of it we've turned it on here before because right when disney plus came out everybody was like oh my god we can watch sound of music and so i was like oh i wonder what that's about and we started it and i think it's just slow to get going and i just it, it didn't hook me yeah it came out uh the next year which is wild because julie andrews looks like she's aged about 15 years between mary poppins and the sound of music julie andrews still looks Looks like she's 20. That's not true. <laughs> she's 84. Get yeah. out of town. No, she's Has not. Has she done anything since Princess Diaries? I don't know. It says 1945 to present, so she must be doing something. Yeah. 84 years old. Get out of town. 2021 should be Minions, The Rise of Gru. She's somebody in the uh, Despicable Me. Yeah, looks, looks like that. And she was in Aquaman. It's Carathon. Who was she in Shrek? Oh, she was the mother in Shrek. She's doing a lot of voice work. Yeah. I, she hasn't looks like been on camera. She can't sing anymore. I know that much. She she was the nanny in Eloise at the Plaza, which I feel like is a heck of a grab. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> My mom loves those movies. Really? Yeah, they're not bad, actually. They're, they're charming. They're endearing. Yeah, no, so she was in uh, this in 1964 for Disney, and uh, in 1965, she's in The Sound of Music for Fox, which is now Disney. There we go. And in 1966, she was in Hawaii. But yeah, no, so The Sound of Music, yeah, Maria Von Trapp is the same character. She's the, the new presence in the life that teaches the kids to love and to be good kids. So there's something I really like about Mary Poppins that I feel like what is what is every episode of the Fairly Odd Parents about? Timmy learning a lesson about why he can't do something. But what is what is the what's the cliche? What are you looking for here? What is every movie about a genie about or every movie about a, a monkey palm about? Be careful what you wish. Yeah, for. be careful what you wish for. Yeah. But in this case, what they wished for was exactly what they needed. And it was a good wish. Right. Because the, the thing about this movie is listen to the kids. Right. The kid like, like yeah, that's this isn't the, this isn't a precautionary tale of 
wishing for stuff. This is a precautionary tale of not paying attention to your children and the things they say. Correct. And he ends up partner. And that like more often than not. And embrace your inner child is yeah, an important part of this. For sure. And sometimes but you'll make Dick Van Dyke die. I just, I, I have to tell you this right now. Yeah. The uh, 1966 movie Hawaii starring Julie Andrews and Max von Sydow and Richard Harris, Gene Hackman. Max von Sydow just died. Oh, that's so. He's the old guy from the beginning of uh, Force Awakens. Yes, he is. Yeah, that's why I know that name. Anyway, 189 minutes long. It's a long one. I wonder if it's any good. It's three hours and nine minutes, right? Three hours and nine minutes? That's three hours yeah. and nine minutes. Three hours yep. and nine minutes. Not as long as Gone with the Wind. Yeah, you can't you can't even ask me to watch Gone with the Wind. I think Wind. that was 200 something, if I remember correctly. I got a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. What, Hawaii? Hawaii. Is it also a movie musical? I don't know. I don't know. Did you notice that the bank manager was also Dick Van Dyke? No, I did not. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Oh, he's the one that can't stand? Yeah. Okay, so maybe... Hmm. You know, one thing really, I really, really captured me and really did a good job in this film that, like, I I liked was that this film came out in 1965, 1964, whatever it was. Yeah, 64. I know that they were on like cables to make them fly, but it was so convincing. It really got Yeah, me. it was about the only thing that was convincing in this movie. Yeah, every set was very clearly a set, but that was fine. Like, that didn't bother me so much. Yeah, I think a, that a was, complete soundstage like a, movie. Yeah, that's just like a product of the times thing. Like, whatever, I, whatever. Uh, but the Yeah, the that flight, was back when movies were either made entirely on the soundstage or entirely not on the soundstage. Right. But the little flight thing, I thought that was really cool. I was thought neat. that was neat. It was neat. neat it's much better than like the animation where they jump into the mo- into the chalk. I don't know if it's been remastered a bajillion times. I'm sure it has because I don't think it came out looking as pretty as I saw it on Disney Plus last night uh, with with Retina display on my that's, iPad. That's wild because I definitely thought that the Disney Plus version could use some remastering. <laughs> Uh, no, I thought it came out quite nice. Quite, quite pretty. I don't know, man. Like, they had some pretty nice stuff in the 60s. They were pretty close to Star Wars. No, they weren't. They were 13 years away. I don't know that Star Wars looks any better than this. I, there's remasters there also, so it's tough to... I have to bust out an old VHS. Yeah, but like you're largely... So like if you use a Panavision film camera today mm-hmm. to make your movie, you're using exactly the same stuff as they used in like 1961 to make the movie. It is Kodak film through a Panavision camera in like Technicolor chemicals. This had to describe itself as Technicolor. Technicolor was a brand name back then. That like that was probably Technicolor film. But you don't go see Avengers Endgame Kodak. Avengers Endgame was actually shot on digital. Oh really? Yeah, on the Ari Alexa IMAX. First movie to ever oh, be I... shot on the Ari Alexa IMAX because it was brand new. Might have been Infinity huh. War. Might have been a back it was a back-to-back production. So I, it was probably Infinity War and Endgame. But yeah, they're both completely digital. Well, there you go. Learn something new every day. Yep. Um, it is two Ari Alexa 65 sensors put together to make the IMAX sensor. I don't know anything that you just said means, just so you know, that that's all all a different language to me. So uh, the, the current largest movie film you have is 65 millimeter or I guess 70 millimeter uh, movie film. And basically- Why do you guess? Wait a minute. Is it 65 or is it 70? It depends on how the camera works. It's 70 millimeter film. I think you're using the Super 65 uses 65 millimeters of the available space. Okay. Just kind of how the cameras work, like gating and matting and stuff. Okay. And so the Ari Alexa 65 is a digital camera with a 65 millimeter sensor instead of 65 millimeter film. And so that from that we get Avengers Edge. No, from two of those back to back being shot at the same time to shoot half the frame each on each sensor, you get Avengers Endgame. You get IMAX. I'm not gonna lie to you, that Avengers Endgame movie is pretty sweet. It's not that pretty, actually. I maintain this. Go watch it again. All right, maybe I will. It has aged already. 
I'm, I'm certain when I'm a child, what I remember seeing it in theaters and thinking Thanos didn't look as good as he could. It will suffer from the lack of it in, in time. Eventually, pretty shortly, I imagine it will start to suffer from the lack of actual scenery in the like, this is a hundred percent green screen render thing. Cause like, look at attack yeah. of the clones Yeah, and you see the scene where the clones are all marching onto the ship and it's the worst oh, thing it's ever bad. made. It's yeah. bad. But yeah. like Jurassic Park still terrifying. Here's the thing. A lot of people don't realize about Endgame is when, uh, when my kids watch Endgame and, and Cap catches Mjolnir. I'm still gonna cry, and I'm oh, still sure. gonna cheer, for sure. and I'm still gonna howl. <laughs> just that whole that whole last hour, I think, is just kind of weirdly done for me from a, yeah, a just when, like filmmaking perspective, not like a story perspective or an action perspective. I'm getting emotional just thinking about the moment where Cap catches it and it cuts to Thor, and Thor's like, "Yes, oh man, what a good moment." Oh man, I like Avengers Endgame better than I like Mary Poppins. Okay, that's fine. You can do that. Okay. I probably do as well. That's a weird thing to put on a scale together, <laughs> right? Mary Poppins has no. But that's the thing is like I can just put on Mary Poppins. I can show it. To anybody i can't take a Dude. random person and be like this is avengers endgame i'm like you at Enjoy. least have to you at least have to watch another two and a half hour long movie to even begin to get what is happening that's true the barrier of entry of avengers endgame is so high <laughs> it's as high 20... it's the highest it's ever been for any movie ever and that there are 21 films prior right. to it and even You're if you, wrong like I that. said, we, we we talked about this a couple weeks ago during Monday Lorian about like, what is the minimum, like the least common denominator, the minimum distance you need to walk? Like how many parsecs can you complete the Kessel Run in to get to Avengers Endgame? And it's still enormous. Yeah. Because you still need, honestly, to get the full... You need almost all of them. To get the full oomph of that moment of Cap catching Mjolnir. And the moment where everybody walks out of the portals and everything... But like like the that moment, yeah. You, so yeah, the portals you need Winter Soldier. That moment you need Ultron and Thor one because Ultron has that scene right yeah. where Cap moves it. Yep, and you need um, Thor one to get the whomsoever wields the yep. can you know wields the whomsoever is worthy wields the power of Thor. Yeah. Uh, you need Doctor Strange, of course. It's, it's so much bigger than like Return of the King. I'm really excited. I want to tell you this. I'm really excited for when Mary Clay gets to the films because I have a very strong feeling that when we finish those films, that will be my favorite series of movies because I haven't watched all three of those. Oh, they're, in... they're absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I haven't watched all three of those in over 10 years. They are phenomenal. I watched them a couple years ago. And I have, a, I have a very strong feeling that like when we finish it, it'll be one of those things where for 10 years when somebody's like, oh, what's your favorite movie? I'm going to look them dead in the eye and say Return of the King. The only, literally the only complaints I have about them are Peter Jackson using cinematographic techniques that will make them not timeless. I still think that they like, I, there's the no, same I problem agree. with, I agree, with Mary but, Poppins. Like, you could have done this. Like there was no reason for Peter Jackson to try to be edgy. Right, you could have played it a little closer to the chest. Not even that, it's just like, you're using the established formulas for 90% of this movie, stop cropping off 80% of people's heads when they talk. In yeah. widescreen, in beautiful yeah. letterbox, huge cinemascope, you get this much of Gandalf's face, you get the che upper cheeks to the eyebrows. Yeah. It's just weird, and it, it'll go straight from like, sweeping landscape to like, boom! Zoom shot. You know what? And it's just, it's not, watched, it's not bad. It looks like 2001. I watched uh, Fellowship up to the Council of Elrond. I think I told you this the other week. Just to, just to reacclimate, acclimate myself with the series and so that yeah. I could skip Tom Bombadil in the books. Yep. Um, which I think is totally fine. I think that's an, a totally appropriate way to, to read. Oh, the story. I, I can't wait for um, Mary Clay to finish the movies and I can talk about why I like the movies so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the casting is so good. And the one thing that I love, I love, I love, I love, I love is, I don't know that it, I would call it consistent, but just that the hobbits are so much shorter. Yeah. It's so good. They had to, they had to do a lot of wonky things too, because John Reese davies who plays Gimli is huge. Is he really? An absolute unit of a man. 
Look up, look up like the cast photos. He's huge. No, he's a big guy. He's an absolute unit of a man. And he's just like a bear sized dude. Like Tony's Davies and Orlando. He's the dude in the first Indiana Jones movie that claps Harrison Ford on the back so hard that he almost passes out. But yeah, if you look at this cast photo, John Reese Davies is much, much bigger than Orlando Bloom. Yeah. And like Ian McKellen's not as tall as you think he'd be because Gandalf's huge. Yeah, Gandalf is very big. But like, so this is oh, this is my thing. It's like you take, so um, Jurassic Park came out in what, 93? Three. Yeah, duh. Three months after I was born. 93. Yeah. And you look at the scene where Alan Grant takes off his sunglasses when he first sees the dinosaur. Yeah. And that is like a quintessential shot. And you look at any shot of Gandalf talking from the Lord of the Rings movies, and that is not a quintessential shot. I'm excited to revisit Lord of the oh, Rings. Oh, for sure. Or not revisit, I guess first visit. <laughs> You ever seen the movies? No, I've I've seen them. I would say this though about the Lord of the Rings films. I know I've seen them because like I'm familiar with all the characters. I'm familiar with the story. I'm familiar with all of it. I don't know that I have sat down and watched beginning to end outside of maybe the movie theater. Any of them. I saw the Lord of the Rings, the two towers seven times in theaters. Seven. That's a lot. Seven. That's a lot. That's of more than I've seen almost every movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> Before it left theaters. Two Towers is a cool movie. I got, got them Helms on. Deep. So I got them on. I have them on DVD, right? Yeah. Taylor Maddox, if you're out there or whatever your last name is now, Taylor Piscano or whatever, you still have my Return of the King. Please return it to the king. Thank you. Do I get the, do, do I get an inkling that she was a big Lord of the Rings fan? Yeah, I believe so. I don't remember. I lent her that DVD in 2011. It's been 10 years. That was one of the, so the first one, the Lord, Return of the King was the first one that came with a widescreen disc and a not widescreen disc. The other ones I had just in not widescreen. Oh, that's terrible. They had like, like four, three square TV ratio. That's how old those movies are. Oh, it's, it's mind blowing. Where they were like, we're not going to widescreen this. Who wants to see black bars? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and me, man. me who grew up in the, <laughs> in the TCM household, who grew up watching Sidney Pollock every single day talk about why widescreen is better tc for, for reference tcm had this little uh like four minute short that they would play when they had four minutes between movies like if a movie ended at 7 56 and they wanted to start another movie at eight o'clock they would play this mm -hmm. short about pan and scan which is the idea of bringing a movie from the cinemascope the big size that they make movies in to a, a 4-3 television from like the 60s like an actual like tv before they had widescreen tvs and the 90s right. and, and all the other eras in which they had televisions and how they would go and re-edit them and it's why some movies still look weird they'll have like weird like panning issues and things will start to like speed up and stuff because they were like moving against the camera a lot of the time hmm. so like the camera would pan the opposite direction and they would have to to follow the action of the scene they would have to like cut against the way the camera was panning hmm. when they were editing because they're basically they're taking a movie that's made in 16 by 9 or even wider than that and bringing it into 4.3, which is a, basically a, almost a square right. compared to a big old rectangle. And so, like, there was this whole thing they would talk about, like, Ben-Hur. You only see two of the horses in the chariot scene. It's, like, one of the greatest scenes ever directed. And, you you know, you see they, they use the whole frame and there's, like, horse faces all the way in the outside of the frames. And you cut it down and there's, like, one and a half horses on screen at any time. But I saw that a bunch of times and then I got the versions of Lord of the Rings that were in square, which might be the worst thing ever done to any movie ever is to cut the Fellowship of the Ring into a square yeah that's brutal you know it's new zealand right yeah the, the most incredible landscape shots ever made outside a documentary you ever seen those planet earth documentaries man those are special incredible yeah those are some good stuff incredible i have i have seen the planet earth ones david attenborough just fascinating it's a wild planet we have on we have ourselves wild planet is a different thing <laughs> is it wild planet i think was a 
like Animal Planet show? I think you're right. I used to. It's when Jeff I had Corwin, my appen- right? Hang on. I don't know. When I was uh, eight years old and I had my appendectomy and my kidney stones in two weeks, the same two weeks, uh, we watched Wild Animal Planet, Planet is not a TV show. Wild day. Planet makes tuna fish. Wild Planet makes tuna fish. There we go. So what did Jeff Corwin? <sighs> <sighs> Going wild with Jeff Corwin. That was it. Jeff Remember, Corwin was like uh, Disney Channel's Steve Irwin, but he was bad. Bad person or like? No, he just wasn't Steve Irwin. Well, nobody. That's is. a pretty high bar to set for people. We need you to be the most charismatic, knowledgeable animal person. And you need an accent. And like just everything needs to be right about you. Can you do that? Crocky. You see, I'm not, even, I'm not even Steve Irwin. And I don't know anything about animals. Yeah, that's true. I know some things. If I'm going to call hey, anybody in your family to look after an exotic animal, it is not going to be you. Oh, definitely don't call me to look after it. No. I will tell you, oh, yeah, you're going to want to return that. Yeah. Oh, you have a lizard there. Did you know lizards are evil? <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah. Let me tell you what you don't want is that lizard. Uh, so you know how vegans don't eat anything with a face? Is that it? I don't think that's the definition of veganism. <laughs> that's what, uh, oh my Isn't God, that a Brandon Scott Ruth. Pilgrim quote? Yeah. W- would the character from Scott Pilgrim eat oysters? No. They don't have a face. Yeah, but no. <laughs> I mean, the character from Scott Pilgrim would eat whatever he wants, clearly. <laughs> chicken parm's not vegan. You knowingly ingested a plate of chicken parm. Gelato's not vegan. Smoking eggs, bitch. That dude. Okay, so the. the not Rob Schneider? Yeah, the other guy is like a huge role in Westworld. Really? Yeah. And like, all I could think of is I'm looking at him and I'm like, you're supposed to be this like badass, like Mexican gangster type guy. And all I could think of is you're the vegan police. <laughs> the whole time. I'm sitting there like, you are the vegan police. What was that Rob Schneider movie with the prison yard? With the prison yard? I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, it always shows up on Facebook as like, look at this insane scene. Rob Schneider like picks the biggest, baddest dude in the prison yard. That's also and, like, not Rob Schneider in Scott Pilgrim. I know it's not. I said not Rob Schneider. It's called Big Stan. Never heard of it. Gotten 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, budget, $6 million. Box office, $8.7 million. Uh, but basically, there's a scene in Big Stan where Rob Schneider beats the crap out of like every dude in the prison yard. And it shows up every so often on Facebook. as like, this is an unbelievable scene. They just don't make movies like this anymore. And it's not unbelievable. It's just funny. I don't know anything about that movie. Anyway. I've tried to I watch as few Rob Schneider movies as possible. Yeah? Not my not my favorite guy in the world. I, I, don't, I don't dislike Rob Schneider. I I mean, I don't, I don't spend much time thinking about Rob Schneider, to be honest with you. He's been in a lot of bad movies. I think that's like his shtick, though, right? That he like, oh, you need an actor for a bad movie? Yeah, but why, why should we reward this dude with more bad movies? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just feel like that's his, that's his thing. At least his Adam highest, Sandler occasionally makes like Rob remunerations. Rob highest rated film is Muppets from Space, 63%. Rob Schneider is literally Adam Sandler for people who think Adam Sandler movies are a little bit too highbrow for them. <laughs> That's his only, only fresh film. Also, I did look it up, and no, uh, <laughs> Uncut Gems is not like a white power movie. No? Okay, sorry, I, I must have missed I don't know what else you were, th- what you were thinking of, but... I don't know. I don't know. Literally, I searched, I Google searched Uncut Gems Problematic, and nothing came up. Oh, well, what do you know? I know nothing. I just wanted to clarify that, because I did end up leaving that in there without any, like, I didn't go back in to, like, with, like, future Ethan voice to be like, actually... <laughs> It's a great movie that everybody loved. Everybody loved it. Universal acclaim. Uh, just looking at Rob Schneider's list here, he might he might take the cake as far as I'm concerned. I've got three back-to-back zeros. B- might take the cake of worst actor ever? Maybe not worst actor ever, but like least consistent. Ro- no, Rob like Schneider most- is... Sorry, 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 sorry. Rob Schneider is not Adam Sandler for people who think that Adam Sandler movies are too highbrow. Rob Schneider is Billy Crystal for people who don't quite get Billy Crystal's level of humor. Let's see. My brain is having a hard time placing Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal's Mike Wazowski. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, he is. You know, Miracle Max 
from The Princess Bride. Yes, Spinal Tap. You've never seen. <laughs> You've never seen Spinal Tap. No, I haven't. No. Yeah, I made that up. He's Morty the Mime in Spinal Tap. In case you're curious, it's been Spinal so- Tap is that the one? Is that the crank it up to eleven? Yeah, one? but I was going okay. to eleven. But why not just make it go to ten? Make ten louder because it's one number higher. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think despite never seeing the film, that was like in my AOL Instant Messenger bio for for a period of time. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, everybody's That's ever played AG- guitar has worshipped that line. Yeah, where are we at in recording? Oh my God, it's, yeah, rap, it's rap time. time. Who knew? I honestly had no idea. I'd just been chatting. This was a little bit. This week episode was a little bit of di- deep dive into uh the history of people's careers M- more interested in jason the amateur writer i know we talked a lot about mary poppins in this movie we did yeah i felt like there's some good mary poppins content here uh what what is this show okay so <clears throat> before we get into uh super shout outs and our super shout out this week is gonna i have one <clears throat> prepared I don't have it prepared, but I can prepare. Uh, but before we get to super shoutouts, I want to go to regular shoutouts, which I think is going to be a nice new segment I'm adding to the show. I'm telling you about this now, Ethan. I hope that's cool. Regular shoutouts. Regular shoutouts. Is, is, is a segment we're adding. It's a segment we're adding. Just a regular size shoutout. So this week on the Bacon and Eggs fans Facebook page, I asked, what is the newest movie to make it into your top movies list? And I want to read some of the answers and, and shout out the people who said them. Uh, so basically the question, Ethan, and I'm curious if your answer, newest movie to make it into your top movies list. I don't want to put in like a 10 or anything because that's 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 like, that seems too tight. Feels like you have to cut something out or you're, you're reaching to fit 10 in so just you know you're you would call a a, one of your greats one of your essentials to know ethan okay i want to know you or do you want me to no yeah i gotta think about it for a second okay so trevor rapetto he said onward uh katie farnung said birds of prey frank patello said never rarely sometimes always i uh i've seen seen promos for this i think and i've seen around film twitter it's supposed to be a really good one uh sarah said ladybird um which is from my understanding, extremely good, although I haven't seen. Uh, Abby Cross said Kimi no Wawa, which is Japanese for your name. Apparently absolutely incredible. Czar Caldwell and uh, a few. Ali Heron and Andrew Scott Bell all said Knives Out. A couple people said Onward. Logan Smith, Joe Higgins both loved Onward. Uh, Sabrina Earls. A couple people said Jojo Rabbit, Carter Dvorak, uh, as well as Ali Heron. Uh, and Sarah Smith said Booksmart. Jaden Easton said Parasite. Ruth Mac Macintosh loved Rise of Skywalker. James Swindell loved 1917. Uh, Cathar Spencer said they loved Starstruck from Disney. I've never heard of this, but it sounds like a TV film, maybe? I don't know. And Sleeping with Other People with Jason Sudeikis. Uh, yes, Starstruck is a Disney Channel original movie. Becca Edo's confirmed. Thank you, Becca. Uh, Kendall Mills said the most recent movie to make it into their top favorites was a 1990 film called Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater. So I'm not sure uh, the rest of their list. If nothing good has come out in 30 years but yeah that is that is all the answers that well, I, mean, I think you could read the... i think you could read that <laughs> question two ways no i that's what i was trying to i wanted to know yeah, but like i know what you were trying to go for and i know that you I tried know. to word it in such a way that nobody could read it two ways and i know that there's always going to be somebody who reads it in two ways right it's going to be like I, I well the, the movie that thought. i added to my that i saw most recently that went to my top 10 is but you meant like right. the most recent to be released like we're talking like we're going to divide down to release dates here yeah so what what makes into your top movies list, Ethan? So I, I, I truthfully, the more we watch this show and the or not watch the show, but the more we do this show, the more that we talk about it, and the more that people like have started to remember the opinions that I hold on the show, the more like I hate actually thinking about this question. Why? I just don't like because it's such a tough 
thing. I, I don't know. I don't ever think about like like 10 movies at a time. Well, that's why it's not 10. Right. So I would say, that, so here's, here's what I'm going to answer. The movie that I have thought about most since seeing it and have wanted to watch again the most since seeing it, the most recent movie was Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. That's a perfectly acceptable like, answer. I, I've woken up every day and been like, I should watch Ford versus Ferrari. And then and then by the end of the day, I'm like, ah, no, nah, but I, I just saw it that long ago. I can't ruin it for myself. Like I'm, I have that same fight I'm just like, myself. I'm denying the myself. Same the, exact fight. Denying myself the pleasure of watching it because I'm afraid that I'm going to burn myself out on or that I'm going to find something that's not perfect about it. Yeah. But I loved it so much. It, it was like the weird culmination of like, you used to, you've seen every episode of Top Gear, but also love art school movies. Yes. That's exactly what it is. It is I like that intersection it. of my but, life. Yeah. Well, maybe we should do car movies for a few weeks like not just furious movies but like logan lucky and earnhardt and ford versus ferrari talladega knights talladega knights there's a there's a movie about uh dale earnhardt i don't know if it's called earnhardt but you know what you know what i'm talking about right yeah i'm talking about senior obviously and it was just like it was, movie about you. it was incredibly shot incredibly directed matt damon chris uh christian bale both just wonderful. Well, and I love that story about Ford. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's just a classic tale. And I watched the you, video that Andy Bell sent us about like how the, they're not sent us, but posted about like how the sound design worked. And I watched like 20 minutes of these like Oscar winning sound designers being like, yeah, this is how we think about sound. And it was incredible to like hear them be like, well, we tried 25 different footsteps, but we really felt like leather shoe on concrete, even though the floors aren't concrete. We really felt like that was going to be the best sound. And they like go back and forth between watching the same scene of the same guy walking down the same hallway with different footsteps and i was like man this movie really is cool they do that in every movie right you know that right? they do do that with every movie but i don't get to like that just enhanced my enjoyment of it <laughs> right um and they don't do it that well in every movie no i know when i toured berkeley college of music uh there was a seminar going on i guess you were there with me so you would have seen this also uh but there was like a class going on about exactly that like foley sound and stuff where they had to take the motorcycle scene, like from crash to the end of the scene from uh, The Dark Knight and like put all of the sound in, like dub the voices and do everything. Yeah. I've thought about that assignment every day for now 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think my most recent movie to make it into my top movies list, and honestly, I don't know if this is a cop-out. I don't know if I'm embarrassed to say this. I don't know if I, I really do feel this way, but like right now, where I'm at in my life, Onward, just hit, dude. That's fair. Say that. You can say that. That's. I mean, that is my answer. And because like, not only is it about brothers and parents, which I have brothers and I am a parent and like, I would hate to not have a life with my child and my child is at an age where if I were to heaven forbid something happened she wouldn't really have any meaningful memories with me uh i don't know it just it just really hit uh i really liked onward and we have like on a more personal and more superficial level like we just launched a dungeons and dragons podcast we've been playing dungeons and dragons it's this whole like pixar movie which is one of the best studios in the world making a movie about a hobby that i'm interested in so i just like it hits on a lot of levels and tom holland is spider-man that is my most recent movie, my top movies list. And our super shout out this week, I do want to call out, uh, it's, a, it's a business this week uh, by the name of graphite.vmb, graphite.vmb. There's no better way to promote and celebrate your brand than an awesome t-shirt design or uh, no, no better way to promote your podcast than to have a logo ready to go. I'm deadly, deadly serious right here. If you have an idea for a podcast or if you have idea for merchandise for your podcast and you don't know what the next step is, I promise you a good logo is more important than excellent intro music, 
more important than excellent topic. Honestly, a logo will get people to click on your thing. And that is step one. And if you need a logo, I cannot stress this enough. Across all genres, he's done uh, uh, logos for medical podcasts, for literature podcasts, for pop culture podcasts, for uh, tabletop gaming podcasts, for uh, like deep dive themes and learning podcasts. He's done stuff for everything. And everything comes out looking so good, so fantastic. If you need a logo for your podcast or your YouTube channel, cannot stress enough, or even for your for your small business or large business, cannot stress enough, reach out to graphite.vmb on Instagram. That's at graphite.vmb uh, to get your next graphic work done. Let them know Tyler sent you from yeah, he, Bacon and Eggs. He did a really sick version of the uh, Drop the Girl album artwork that we were about to release as a t-shirt. Look at that. So it's not just podcast. Nope. It's album art. It's 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 t-shirt art. It's, uh, I mean, it, he, he really, like, I cannot stress this enough. I've known Vaishan for a long time. He was in my wedding. He is truthfully the best, the easiest to work with. His rates are extremely reasonable. Uh, shoot him a DM, let him know Tyler sent you, and get him to work. He's also very, very quick. Factual information. Yep. Perfect. So everything about Vaishan is going to be in the description as always. Uh, we got to put this on the big board, dog. What did you just say? I said we got put this on the big board oh the big board yeah so you like that we're doing the super shout out before the closing stuff yes and we're doing the little shout out so that i can push also the the, the bacon and eggs fans facebook group is completely free it is now it always will be uh, there's over uh, 350 members in there they're all extremely nice we've never had to delete anything because it was inappropriate please don't push our buttons now um <laughs> i was gonna say don't speak that into existence please we have great moderators <laughs> who have never had to do anything uh, i cannot pull up the movie rankings for whatever reason okay um uh, oh, no, here we go i got it okay. oh well it just uh-huh. it moved on me I'm um, so oh why don't why don't you pull it up because i'm curious where i did pull it up where what sort of region are you just sort of like gravitating towards here so we didn't put it on the uh we didn't put saving mr banks on the board either okay let's start with saving mr banks um i did not like saving mr banks as much as 10 things i hate about you i didn't like it as much as birds of prey okay that's low that's a little lower than I probably would have gone, but I, I will concede I don't feel the need to go to bat for it. I would rather watch Birds of Prey right now. I'm not going to delete these because I'm going to have to change them in a minute. Uh, and I like okay. this better than Saving Mr. Banks. Okay, I had a feeling you would. Um, Give me give me like a, are we in the Little Women, Hidden Figures sort no. of region? Are we in Onward, Coco, I was gonna say I was going to say, I like this. I'll give you a little bit of leeway here. I'm just, here's what I'm thinking. I like this better than About Time, but not as much as Moana. Okay, I see exactly the region that you're in. Um, I think it does. Well, if I'm saying personally, I don't think this edges out Jumanji the next level but i feel like that's a crime but it's also my big board so where do you where how do you feel about that i would say above jumanji the next level i think just every time i need to every time i drop jumanji the next level i feel a little bit better about it as crazy as i I really enjoyed that one i did too but i have no desire to watch it again yeah like there would have to be some sincere something compelling me to put that on my television so i think this is a this is a fair placement i do think it's interesting that christopher robin beats out uh, Mary Poppins. I mean, I love that film, so there's I, there's no question in my mind why it would, but I think, you know, to the person who views this down the line. I would much rather watch Christopher Robin than this. My thought was that I can't, so I would rather, I, I was looking at musicals here, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'd rather watch Frozen 2 or Moana. Frozen 2 and Moana are both good. Is Frozen 2 the highest musical on here? Uh, I believe I so. Yeah, by, not by a wide margin. Depends upon how you classify Coco. Coco's a musical. Okay, so it goes Frozen 2, Coco. Coco. Moana. Moana. I still think Moana's better than Coco, but... I, you know, I mean, honestly, if those flipped, I don't think I would even notice. I don't know. This is a complicated place in the board. There's a lot of competing opinions here. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I really like Mary Poppins. I, like... But I like the music more than anything, and I'd rather... I, I would just rather watch other movies. Same. 
two hour, two and a half hours is really the, the nail in the coffin for me. Two hours, 20 minutes or whatever. Like, I haven't seen this since I was 12, and I probably won't just, like, sit here and go, ah, it's time to watch Mary Poppins again, man. I bet your kids do. For a while. But that's that's the big board, and we've put Saving Mr. Banks up. Unless, I want to be clear about the bottom of this board. With the exception of Hocus Pocus, I like every movie on this list. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, She's the Man obviously isn't, like, my favorite film ever. I didn't watch it for the list. I didn't review it. But, I like, I have also not felt compelled at any time since you did review it to be like, yeah, I'm gonna watch She's a Man. No, and I, I, I don't think that you would, but I do like all of these. Mistakes. I mean, there's a few. I, I mean, take or leave. I could live without Ghostbusters 2. I could live without Ghostbusters Tarzan. 26. Oh, I can't believe you don't like Tarzan. Just don't have any love for the Renaissance. I just don't care. Love it was not nostalgic for me, and I don't. There's nothing compelling me to watch them now. Uh, so anyway. Uh, that is the list. Uh, what else do we do at the end of the show? Do we still do a breakfast food or do we cut that segment? I guess we still do a breakfast food. I don't know what a breakfast food for Mary Poppins is. It's got to be practically perfect in every way. What is the practically perfect breakfast? Oh, I was thinking like warm beans. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. It's just so like British. And just, I don't know. I don't know, man. Is this where we kill the breakfast food uh, thing? We might. <laughs> the only thing know. that ties us to the name. I tell you what, what if we did this? I'll post in the Facebook group on Thursday if Mary Poppins was a breakfast food, what food would it be? Boom. And then now we'll review a, the the answer next week. Right. And then it's it's a community-driven okay, activity. Okay. Yeah. I'm game. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, our um, music is by Andy Scott Bell, and it's you can hear it at the beginning of the podcast, and it's wonderful, and it continues to be wonderful, and I love it so much every time I get to hear it, which is every single week. It is. Uh, the next time you will hear from us will be the Monday Lorian, which will be this Monday. We're covering episode four. Back to just Ethan and I until the finale uh, when Casey will be joining us again. Um, if you like this show and you want to listen to more of it, we are recording a brand new segment of the Hash Browns where we are going to be, uh, it's called a D and Duet. Uh, where Ethan and I will be this week rolling characters for a two-person D&D game. So one DM, one player character. Uh, there may be two player characters and two DMs, but only two people. We may rotate. We're going to be setting the characters up for that up this week. Um, my name's Tyler Carlin. You can find me all over the internet. My links are in the description. His name's Ethan Edgehill. The same thing is true for him. Uh, if you like the show and you want to listen to more like it, you should totally do that. You can go to wbne.org. You can listen to my other podcast. It's called Bagels. Uh, you can listen to our Dungeons & Dragons podcast if you like that kind Kind of thing it's called late to the party or or you can listen to hello from elsewhere where casey and valerie winners a husband and wife uh if you listen to casey on the monday laurie in this week that's who that is as a husband and wife team they are extremely smart casey just got his master's degree in something intelligent um, but they're very good at breaking down literature and movies and books and everything and and really diving into themes but they also just have excellent chemistry and the best voices in the game it's not just casey saying from wbne that really like just makes me happy every day but Valerie's got a great voice as well. Definitely listen to their podcast. Hello from elsewhere. Uh, I've got a preview for that right here. Hi, I'm Valerie. And I'm Casey. And we're a married couple who loves to travel through fictional worlds. On our podcast, Hello From Elsewhere, we dive deep into the themes and characters of movies and books, all through a positive lens. We explore all your biggest questions, like what is Steven Spielberg's obsession with father figures? What is the history of fictional maps? And why are animated foxes so attractive? Oh, Robin Hood. From Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Jane Austen. To Star Wars, Marvel, and classic Hollywood. If it's pop culture, we're interested in exploring the meaning behind it. With new episodes every other Friday, come visit us in Elsewhere. And that was Casey and Valerie. Uh, Ethan, <coughs> I have had fun reviewing Mary Poppins with you. I've had fun reviewing Mary Poppins with you. I've been Ethan Edgehill, with Tyler Carlin, and until next time, until Monday, arrivederci. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It does not start with an A. Ah, but it's what you say when you don't know what to say.